0: Hello everyone! This week we'll talk about cocaine, which is also the first local anesthetic. I figured we'd cover the topic of local anesthesia while we're talking about pain management generally anyway. In contrast to general anesthesia from last week, where you knock the patient unconscious, local anesthesia is instead focused on mitigating pain in a specific area, while still keeping the patient awake. If you'll recall, the agents used in early general anesthesia, ether and chloroform, had some pretty serious drawbacks. Flammability and rough side effects meant that for minor procedures, the risk-to-benefit ratio in using general anesthesia began to get very close. Local anesthesia could hopefully cause less problems, but still mitigate many of the issues that arise from massive amounts of pain. The story of local anesthesia starts in 1855, when a German chemist, uh, Friedrich Geich, which I probably butchered, was working on the coca leaf, a plant native to South America with traditional medicinal properties. Coca leaf has been in use for medical purposes by native people dating back some 5,000 years, and after some 4,000 years, the European scientists figure that those natives might have been onto something. He isolated some red crystals from the leaf and called the substance erythroxylum, and reported that it was capable of anesthetizing the tongue. A few others proposed similar uses for extracts from the coca leaf in the ensuing years, and eventually the actual active ingredient was isolated from the leaf in 1859, which we know as the drug cocaine. These days, cocaine gets a frankly deserved bad rep as an illegal, dangerous drug that still causes a lot of harm. But at the time, cocaine was a new promising medicine. In 1868, Tomas de Moreno y Maiz, a surgeon in the Peruvian army, suggested the use of cocaine as a local anesthetic. He found that injecting cocaine solutions caused insensitivity in rats, guinea pigs, and frogs. From there, Vasily von Anrep of Russia performed studies on even more animals using cocaine this time including rats, dogs, cats, rabbits, and pigeons, as well as performing tests on individual animal tissues without involving the entire animal. Von Anrep was also the first person to inject himself with cocaine, in the time-honored tradition of scientists using themselves as test subjects. Once injected, he noted that jabs didn't hurt at the site of injection. And finally, he applied a similar solution of cocaine to his tongue, and noted that it also became insensitive to poking. He published his work, but it didn't immediately take off. The real proliferation of local anesthesia comes from the Medical Surgical School of Vienna. Carl Koller was a student there in 1884, studying under Ferdinand von Alt, who regularly commented on the disadvantages of general anesthesia for eye surgery in particular. The problem is that general anesthesia can cause nausea and vomiting, and it's very difficult to immobilize the eyeball during surgery when under general anesthesia. Trying to do eye surgery while the patient is squirming and moving their eyes around is a dangerous game. Coler decided he would search for a local anesthetic to immobilize the eye. He started with some of the standards of the day, like ether, but when that didn't work, he just decided to try a whole bunch of other stuff. ethyl chloride, chloral hydrate, bromide, morphine, the list goes on. Eventually, he came to cocaine by the recommendation of his friend Sigmund Freud, who we've mentioned in the past as having a particular interest in cocaine, in fact enough to write an entire book on it. Collaire found cocaine to be very effective for local anesthesia. And in 1884, Collaire presented his findings detailing the preparation, administration, and effects, and even crediting his friend Freud for leading him there. After that, their colleague, Koenigstein, then asked for the floor, talked about his research on cocaine and experimentation, and gave no credit to Collaire or Freud whatsoever. This left a bit of a sore spot, but it won't go on to be anything as crazy as what we've seen with, like, for example, Waxman and Schatz. A few days later, Freud simply spoke to Koenigstein and demanded that Koenigstein make things right. Unlike Waxman, who if you'll recall sent a bunch of nasty letters and then was taken to court, Koenigstein decided to be a mature adult, and he relented and sent a letter to the editor of the relevant journal in order to have Colera's authorship recognized as well. So luckily I won't be spending half this episode on drama surrounding who got credit or who sued who and who owes who money. Late in 1884, the first operation with local anesthetic was performed, on a patient with glaucoma. Collaire's paper was translated and spread quickly across the entire world. Between September, when the first surgery took place, and late 1885, Sixty publications concerning local anesthesia using cocaine appeared in the U.S. and Canada across the Atlantic Ocean. Some of the folks who read about the use of cocaine for local anesthesia were William Stuart Halsted and his colleague Richard John Hall. In 1884, Hall published a report on the first successful nerve block. A nerve block is a method of local anesthesia and is exactly what it sounds like. You inject the agent onto or near a nerve to prevent pain. Hall detailed how a dentist injected a cocaine solution to prevent pain in one of the patient's incisors, and how Halstead blocked a dental nerve in a medical student. Halstead and Hall went on to develop many nerve and regional blocking techniques, often through self-experimentation with cocaine. However, they didn't come up with the actual term. The credit for that goes to one Francois Frank, who coined the term nerve block in 1892. While the spread of local anesthesia technology is great, keep in mind that they were still using cocaine, which has some very serious drawbacks. Between 1884 and 1891, 200 cases of systemic intoxication and 13 deaths were recorded because of the cocaine use in local anesthesia. The addictive effects of cocaine also began to emerge at this time, which we know about today as common knowledge, but was news at the time. Freud and Halstead would both fall victim to addiction, a result of their self-experimentation, with incredibly sad effects. Halstead, for example, was described earlier in his life, before his addiction to cocaine, as, quote, having a gay and cheerful disposition, kind heart, and agreeable and cultivated manners, end quote. Afterwards, there was a clear change, and Halstead was described instead as a man of unique personality, shy, somewhat of a recluse, fastidious in his tastes and in his friendships, an aristocrat in his breeding, scholarly in his habits. Indifferent to matters of priority, he spent his medical life avoiding patients, even students, when this was possible. It's sad, but the negative effects did inspire more innovation. Maximilian Oberst was the first, thinking that a lower concentration of cocaine might be a better idea. He applied said low concentration of cocaine to his fingers, and then compressed them for a slow release of the drug into the bloodstream. Others explored the possibility of lower concentrations of cocaine as well, which as it turns out, still works as a good local anesthetic. The lower concentration does make it take longer to take effect, but it does reduce the side effects significantly. Cocaine is still cocaine, though, and so new anaesthetic drugs were being researched as well. In 1904, German chemist Alfred Einhorn patented 18 new compounds that had been developed in pharmaceutical plants. The second compound was to be revolutionary, and is known today as Novocaine. Novocaine showed excellent results and safety, and became the standard for local anesthesia very quickly. However, Novocaine is a tad weak in its anesthetic power, and some people suffer severe allergic reactions to it. But at the very least, it wasn't addictive or prone to deadly overdoses. Still, the weakness of Novocaine meant the search for new and improved drugs was still on. By 1946, Nils Lofgren and Brent Lundquist developed a new drug that you may have heard of called Lidocaine. The chemical composition was completely different, but it was safe, had a stronger effect, and was far less likely to cause allergic reactions. Lidocaine is still in common use to this day, and you may have even had a lidocaine injection before, or seen it in other forms. Over the next couple decades, the newest drugs were also developed, like bupivacaine and prilocaine, which basically brings us to the present day of local anesthesia. Local anesthesia was an important technology that spun off the discovery of general anesthesia, While our early attempts using cocaine had some serious downsides, it was important that we figured local anesthesia out. You can still mitigate the pain of surgery, but keep the patient awake and avoid the dangers of early general anesthesia agents. That's all we'll do with anesthesia for now. Next week, we'll tackle the story of Joseph Lister, who you might recall a little bit from last season. But this time, we're going to go way more in-depth and learn about how Lister shaped surgery. As always, thanks to my editor Jojo Tang, my cover artist Angie Lee, and Muse Open for our music. Finally, thanks to you for listening. If you're listening on Anywhere with Ratings, please toss one my way, and if you've got a Facebook, please do me a favor and toss a like on my page. Feel free always to email me, and I'll talk to you next week.